Okay, today, you all ready today? We're beginning a brand new series, a brand new series today. It is called Extra, Extra, yes. Meaning like over the top, meaning excessive, meaning like way too much, like my sweater. I just want to acknowledge it, okay? This sweater is extra. Uh, my wife was laying out my clothes as she does for me. I said, honey, I cannot wear that. Where'd you even find that? What man would wear a sweater like that? And she said, you're going to wear that sweater. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, actually, it works for my sermon series. We're because it's extra. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 38. Luke chapter 7, verse 38 says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender, Sally Mae. One owed Sally Mae $500,000 because they went to a whole bunch of school. Another one, $50,000. They decided to go to community college, and this God is still using them for, their glory, for his glory. Neither of them, though, had the money to pay him back. So Joe Biden forgave the debts of both of them. <laughs> now, which of them, which of them will love him more. Simon replied, I, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman. He's talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The title of this message in this first installment of Extra is In the Room Where It Happened. In the Room Where It Happened. Uh, how many of y'all like going to parties? Pa party people here? Yeah, some of y'all like going to parties online. I'm sure we got party people here. Uh, I got invited to a party this past week. I won't tell you whose party it was. I don't want you being upset if you weren't invited to uh, the same party. Uh, but I went to this party, and I, I actually 
actually didn't go. I just went outside because on Thursday of this past week, I was not feeling well. And the party was on Friday, and I did not want to spread any germs. It's called being polite. So I didn't, I didn't go to the party, but my wife went to the party, and uh, she went there just to uh, show her face real quick, love on everybody, say hello, and I'm, it's downtown uh, Dallas, and I drive my wife, and I drop her off real quick. She runs in. She's up there 30 minutes or so. I'm waiting on the street. My hazard's on. I come back, and 30 minutes later, my wife is walking to the car with a couple of other people from our church. And she's walking towards the car, and the people that she's walking with, I know their faces, but I don't recognize any of the stuff these people are wearing. They look crazy. I'm like, what party did they go to? I guess it was a space rodeo cowboy party. And Crystal and Cassidy and Thomas and these people are walking toward the car. It takes a lot to surprise me. The outfits that I saw that the staff people a part of this church were wearing, I can't even put them on the screen. <laughs> but I tell you, they were in the family, if you've ever seen Sing 2, they were in the family of Portia Crystal. They, they were in the same family. And I'm looking at these people like, what in the world are you wearing? Simon here, this Pharisee, is throwing a party, and he has some guests that he's invited and some he hasn't. Like you, you have a crazy uncle, crazy cousin. You know that one that's always asking for money or always has like this new multi-level marketing thing that they can't wait to share with everybody. Like, we cannot invite. We cannot invite Uncle Johnny. We cannot invite him. And he shows up and he's smiling big and you think he's asking you about you, but he's not really asking you about you. He's just trying to get in. <laughs> this party is happening and, and Simon has some people he wants there and some people he doesn't want there. And this woman happens to be somebody he's not interested in having. Now, when you're reading this text, you might read it, and you and I could miss some things because we are not first century Jewish people. It's possible to read about different cultures and miss some of the nuances that might be in a particular text. So here, as we're reading, uh, understand that the Jewish culture is one of high hospitality. Like, this matters in a big way. Like some cultures, the eldest person has to eat first. Or, or some cultures, uh, you eat with your hands and you don't eat with utensils. And if you eat with your hands uh, in, in some cultures, it's considered okay. But again, if, you, if you're eating with a fork, they're like, why are you doing that? It's just, it's not right or wrong. It's just different cultures. So here in this text, we are reading about Jesus and he's walked into a home and they have not been hospitable at all. They've been disrespectful. They've been rude. The other guests, they can definitely see what is happening here. There's a Pharisee sitting here. Those of you who don't know what a Pharisee is, a, a Pharisee would be like the religious elite of that day. A religious leader who would follow the law of Moses to a T. I mean, this is the person that has their stuff together. Their shirt is starched. Their hair is perfect. Their clothes are pressed. And they cross every T. They dot every I. And they do everything right. And they judge everybody else who doesn't. This is the Pharisee. Then you see this alabaster jar. You're like, okay, well, what's the big deal with the jar? Understand that a young woman would receive this 
from her family. And when she got this from her family, it was very, very treasured. It was worth a whole lot. And she would hold on to it until the day that she would be married. And she would give this alabaster jar or box as a gift to her husband. This thing was worth a ton. You see a sinful woman in there and this sinful woman showing up. The men and women didn't really even interact all that much, let alone a sinful woman showing up and now interacting and touching Jesus' feet. There's a whole lot of stuff going on here. And it's like, what is happening? But I want to make sure we don't just look at like the, the cultural and the background pieces and for whatever reason actually not feel this story. Because this story is not supposed to just be read. It's supposed to be felt. You have to put yourself in the text and feel what is going on. If you don't listen, if you don't smell, if you don't see, this text will go in one ear and out the other, and you'll think it's just some random lady, some made-up story, and you won't see yourself in it. You won't see that this woman who was shunned and had secrets, and now Jesus is accepting her, is not just powerful for her, but it's powerful for all of us who felt shunned and who have secrets. Things that you don't want people to know about in your life. Things that you know people would judge you for by the fact if you let people know what you had going on in your life right now or what happened to you when you were young or what you did at some other point in time. You would look at, you would say, I, nobody wants to be around me. This woman has been feeling this and she pushes past that feeling and shows up in a spot that she was not invited to. You got to read verse 37, and in verse 37, she hears that this Pharisee is throwing a party. She, fear, she hears what's happening, and she's like, okay, okay, this guy's throwing a party, and Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to be at the party. And I, I, somebody who's a producer, somebody who's a screenwriter, you, you got to make this movie because at some point in time, it seems to me that this woman had some interaction with Jesus. I don't know when they met but the interaction was so powerful that she decided, I'm going to break rules of culture so I can see this man face to face. Do you see her pacing? Do you see her thinking, okay, what can I bring? What can I bring? What can I bring? What can I bring? What can I, I know what I can bring. My parents gave me this when I was a little girl. But a lot of scholars think this woman was a prostitute. That's what her sin was. So since now I can't give it to a husband because I can't be married, let me bring something expensive so I can show this man, Jesus, how much I love him and how much I appreciate him. So she walks into the room. I don't know how she gets in the room. I was trying to figure out how she got past the bouncers. How did she get past the people who were at the door and they would say, you can't come in here. You're not welcome. I was trying to figure out how she would do that. I don't know. This is conjecture. I'm just making this up. But if she was a prostitute, maybe one of the guys who were at the door who were pretending like they were so holy because they were there at the Pharisee's house, maybe she's like, I know you. Don't act like you don't know me. I'll call you out in front of all these people right here. I got receipts. 
So maybe she just mentioned that to him, and when she mentioned that, he was like, come on in. Don't share my business. And she finds herself now in the room. She's in the room. They're eating at the table, and put verse 38 on the screen. It says she stood behind him. Jesus is reclined at the table, sitting at the table with the Pharisee, Simon, and some others. And, and, and he's at the table, and she's standing behind him. And the scriptures tell us she's weeping. Tears are streaming down her face. You, you can't just read this. You got to feel this. You got to see this. You have to see this woman in a space that she's not invited to, and she's crying. Are they happy tears? Or are, they, uh, are they, obviously they're emotional tears. Or is she overwhelmed with gratitude? Uh, is she in awe that she's even in the room? Maybe there's just a, a, a bunch of emotions converging at this moment, but she's standing there behind Jesus, and she's weeping. She's weeping so much that her tears begin to fall from her face, and they land on the feet of Jesus. So now her tears are touching the Savior. Can I just tell you your tears are too? Can I just tell you, when you're crying and no one else knows why you're crying, when you're in a room all by yourself and you're a little bit overwhelmed, frustrated, angry, not sure if the relationship is going to work out, not sure if you're going to get into the school, not sure, you fill in the blank and you might be crying. Understand that the tears of this woman that touched Jesus, your tears touch him as well. So these tears are falling. Then the Bible tells us, read it, read it here. She, when, when, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped his feet with her hair. So now she has to get down. Just see her moving in the room. She's changed the whole atmosphere. This was a party where this guy, Simon, was actually trying to throw shade on Jesus and disrespect Jesus. We're going to find, that, find out more about that in just a moment. But now she's changed the whole atmosphere. Made it one of gratitude, one of worship, one of awe, one of wonder, one of appreciation. Her tears have been hitting his feet. And she takes her hair. And she begins to wipe the dust that's on Jesus' feet from his feet, not with a napkin, not with a towel, but with her hair. She's wiping, she's wiping, and then she takes perfume. This jar breaks it open and begins to pour this on Jesus' feet. Smell it. 
Smell the perfume. Smell that the whole atmosphere has changed. Smell that the whole room has changed. This woman is setting an example for us of stuff we can do in our home. Stuff we can do in our cubicle. Stuff we can do in our car. That when tears might be flowing, we can change the whole atmosphere by getting our eyes off of ourselves and getting our eyes on Jesus. It can fill the whole space. So she's pouring the perfume and then the Pharisee. <laughs> oh, man. Can't stand people like this. The Pharisee says, huh, like Ruby from Blackish. <laughs> if you don't know that show, it's over, but it was a fun show. <laughs> if this guy was really a prophet, if he really were from God, he would know who's touching him. The gospel writer Mark uh, talks about this story, uh, we think, and he, and, he, and he says that the alabaster jar that was broken on Jesus' feet was probably a year's wages. So forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 being poured out on Jesus' feet. And Simon's like, man, this guy's no prophet. He has no idea who's touching him. I read this story, and I thought, huh, how can we become a church that has the generous spirit of this lady rather than the critical spirit of this man? How do we become followers of Jesus that are alabaster jar breakers? How do we come, become people who are more like the woman than like the man in this story? How, how do we become a church that, that exemplifies the spirit and the generosity and the love and the worship and the connection and the passion of this woman rather than the critical looking down on spirit? That we see in this Pharisee. How do we become a church of alabaster jar breakers and not just dinner parties led by critics? How do we become a church like this woman who opens up her whole life, her whole heart, instead of a church that's filled with a bunch of people that invite Jesus to the house but are still side-eyeing them the whole time? Because the reality is, we all want to be more like the lady. I don't think you're online. I don't think you're in the room. If you don't want at least, you're not at least interested in wanting to be more like Jesus. Want to be more like this woman. So it's all, okay, how, 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 how do, how do we get there? How do we get, how will we get there? Because we want to be a people that, that, that are giving our all. Do you know, some of y'all, you might be in a relationship right now. Ever been in a relationship where you like somebody more than they like you? You're kind of like texting them all the time, <laughs> calling them all the time, sending selfies all the time, and, and they lead you on read. You know, it's like, 
If you, don't, if you don't have an iPhone, that means they read, that means they read it. And you know they read it, but they didn't respond back. You have somebody that you're like, oh, I'm into, I'm into, I'm into, I'm into. But, but they're not like showing the love back at all. It's tough to be in a relationship with somebody when you're like all in and they're half in. It's tough to be in a relationship with somebody when, when you are giving 110% and they're giving leftovers. And here is this woman. She's a 110%er. She's giving everything she's got. And Simon, he's going halfway. So I thought, how in the world do we become more like this woman? I got some points. I don't always have points, but today I got points. Here's my first point. First one is this. We need sinners who have been changed by Jesus. That's what we need in our church. We need sinners who have been changed by Jesus. We don't need a whole bunch of people who think they're doing God a favor. You can walk into some churches and they feel like, God, you're welcome. You're lucky I'm here, Lord. I could be a lot of places. I could be doing a lot of things. But God, in my kindness towards you, <laughs> I wanted to show up today so you can know I appreciate you at least a little bit. There's a mindset that you can have where you can think or I can think that God is somehow indebted to us. And we're not indebted to him. Where we can think that we actually found our own way to God and can forget that God has been pursuing us our entire lives. And if he had not found us, we would be on our way to hell and living a life of separation from him for all eternity. But the grace of God found us anyway. We need some people that understand that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, but God in his grace and in his kindness pursued us anyway and justified us and made us right with himself. That he gave us this free gift of salvation, that he loved us even while we were still sinners. We talked about that a few weeks ago. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God did it anyway, that we didn't deserve it, but God did it anyway, and he keeps on doing it anyway. And we keep on turning our backs on him and keep on being disrespectful and keep on being selfish. And God keeps on pursuing us with love and grace and kindness and mercy. And I know you have it because you got breath in your lungs right now. You didn't put that breath there. God put that breath there. God, thank you for the very breath that you gave me. We need some sinners who have been changed by Jesus. I don't need a bunch of people that think they're perfect and they've had it all together their whole life. Secondly, we need some people who are sinners who have been changed by Jesus and still remember that he changed them. Oh, because we get amnesia. Oh, oh, we've been, we've been at this Jesus thing for a while. Oh, I know how, oh, I've, I've seen this scripture before. I've seen Luke 7 before. I know where you're going, Pastor. Heart cold, mind tuned off, eyes wandering, no awe anymore, no wonder. 
No love, no fear of God, no connection. Just I'm just going through the motions because I forgot where I used to be. I forgot how down in the dumps I was. I forgot the prayers I was praying that God answered that. Matter of fact, right now I'm standing in the answer to prayers and I've actually gotten, I've gotten casual with the prayers that I prayed because my marriage was over and now it's not over and now we are flourishing, but I forgot what it was like when I was in the pit. Now I just think I always had it like this. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. We've got the pictures to prove it. If we go back far enough for some of y'all's Facebooks, if we go back to your MySpace, come on. If we go back far enough, we will, we will look and see, oh, shoot, he was ratchet. She was crazy. But God kept pursuing me and you anyway. God kept coming after us anyway. Why do we keep on forgetting where we came from? Why do we keep on forgetting the pit that we were in? Why do we keep on forgetting that God answered prayers? Now we're upset about the prayers he hasn't answered yet, but just look back. Just pause for a moment and look back and be like, man, God, had you not carried me all those days? I wouldn't even be able to be here and be mad at you right now. I wouldn't have the strength to be frustrated with you because I was in a hospital bed just praying I would get out. You know when you, you ever been in the hospital? Oh my gosh. Thank you nurses, thank you doctors. Matter of fact, give it up for all nurses. Do thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate you so much. Oh, we're so thankful for you. But we don't want to see y'all. You're in the hospital, beep, 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 Eat, eating ice chips. Who decided you can have ice chips and trying to trick us to think that's food? Here it is here. Give me some food. I remember my appendix ruptured. This is a number of years ago. My appendix ruptured. I, I just wanted to eat anything. My mouth's all dry. I can't eat anything. I got to make sure my intestines are all right. If not, I could die. I, I don't know. I'm just like, give me something. Like, yeah, here, here it is. Ice chip. I was, God, if you get me out of this hospital, I'll serve you all the days of my life. I'll never complain another day in my life, Lord. You can have my whole soul. You can have everything. I'll follow you forever, Lord. But now, I've, I've gone flippant with something I was praying for. It's hard to remember what it was like to long for what you and I currently take for granted. It's hard to remember what it was like to long for it. Hard to remember what it was like. I, I can't wait to be a father. I can't wait to be a mother. I can't wait to be done with school. Once I get done with school, yeah, once I get done with school, I can't wait till I'm 16 and I can drive. Then, I, I can't wait, I can't wait. And you make it. And then the thing that you and I longed for is a thing you and I take for granted. This woman, man, there's just something different about her. There's just something different that she was still close enough to remembering. No wonder Jesus said when we take communion, do this in remembrance of me. Because if you don't remember, 
it's going to be very, very easy to forget that my body broke and my blood was shed for you to be made right with God. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, I'm, I'm reading this, and okay, okay, so not only that, I also think, I also think you got to have some jars. You want to be like this lady? You got to have some jars. Like she didn't come empty-handed. She came with something. I just want you to know you've got some jars. You do. I'll say one of your jars is your gifts. Come on, don't get too quiet on me. Your gifts. You got something. You got something to offer. You got some talents. How do I know you have talents? Because God doesn't make junk. He gives everyone something. Everyone has gifts. And then when you give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, I believe you are given spiritual gifts at that point in time as well. Every single one of us have gifts that we've been given. Gifts that come from God. You've got some jars. Can I even talk about this? Can I talk about money for a quick second? I'm talking about money, okay? Because last week we had this awesome time where we talked about our new Heaven to Earth initiative and what God's going to do and $20 million and all of this. And some of y'all, even this past week, some people in our church, they went and they acted just like this lady. They broke open a whole jar and they already started giving towards Heaven to Earth. I'm like, what in the world? I was blown away. And I saw how some people responded and I thought, how, why? How? I didn't like, we've been telling people to pray and fast. People are already like, no, no, I'm, I'm going extra. How did that happen? And I thought, I sat with this guy, this mentor of mine, and he told me that this is, this might be left field real quick, left field real quick, real quick. But he told me this thing that I thought this might help all of us even as we're trying to become more like this woman in life, but definitely with our finances. And he called it a giving ladder. I never heard this. A giving ladder. He said, Earl, you know in church we talk about tithing all the time. If you haven't heard about tithing, that's like giving 10%, your first 10%, but really returning your 10% because it all comes from God anyway. But, but tithing, and he goes, sometimes uh, we, we tell people if you, don't tithe, if you don't tithe, then basically, you know, you're dead to the church, which we never say that. And I don't want anybody to ever feel that. But that can kind of be in the air sometimes. He says, but when a person gives their heart to Jesus, and they first start following Jesus. We give them grace to grow. Why don't we give people grace to grow in their giving? Why do we tell people, here's the standard, and if you don't meet this standard, you're under a curse. Again, which I don't believe is true. I don't believe that's true. So I was reading this. I was, I was talking to him. I was like, man, this is helpful. So I want to share it with our church family. Real quick, here's the giving ladder. First thing. Because we're talking about trying to be more like this woman who she's at the top rung of this ladder. You're going to see it in just a second. Emerging giver. Emerging giver, this is a person that says, what do I want to give out of what I have? Now, if you have no job, if you have no income, you ain't got nothing to give. That is not deep. <laughs> That's facts. And you don't, no guilt, no shame on that. I'm talking for those of us who have an income. We have a job. We have something coming in. You can start out as emerging, and you just say, God, okay, what do I want to give God out of what I have? But that's the first rung. Second rung, he called it a percentage giver. I thought, this is interesting. 
He goes, 10% might be hard for people. Let them start wherever they want to start. Let them take a step of faith. So how many of y'all in our church, you're ready to go, you know what? I'm going to move from emerging to 10%. Nah, dog, I ain't doing that. I'll go three. I'll do three. I'll do four. 4.25. I'll do seven. I don't know what your number is, but you're like, I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to make it automatic, and it's going to be something I'm going to begin to do. I thought, that's great. Then you go from emerging to percentage, and maybe you then get to the place where you go, because a percentage giver says this. this is, uh, did I put that on the screen already? A percentage giver is somebody that is saying, what do I want to give out of what God has given me? But a tither says this. What does God want me to do, want me to give out of what he's given me? See, these first two rungs, they're still me-focused. I, I. But you get to another point and you go, hmm, God, what do you want from me? Then after that rung, because I thought you kind of stop there. Yeah, you can go over and above. He said, no, there's an extravagant rung. I said, what is this? He says, this is where a person says, their question is, how much does God want me to keep? out of what he's given me because it's not even mine it all belongs to him I was seeing this and I was thinking about this woman and I thought she's not emerging and this woman's not a percentage she's not even a 10 percenter this woman says I'm going extravagant God I'm going extra Everyone thinks this is excessive. They think it's way too much. But this is my response because of how good you have been to me. Back to how do we become a church like this lady? How how do we step into it like her? I think lastly, we need people who express more gratitude than I got this attitude. This is a change that needs to happen in our hearts. This is not something I can preach you to. It's something that the Holy Spirit has to do on the inside of you. I don't want anyone feeling any pressure or manipulation. I do pray, if necessary, you feel conviction and inspiration. But not that comes from me. Because I'm not your savior. You belong to God. I'm just a guide. I'm a pastor. I'm trying to lead you closer to Jesus. I'm not trying to lead you closer to me. So what does it mean for you to say, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. The breath you gave me. Thank you. The love you've shown me. Thank you. The kindness you've extended. Thank you. The love you've poured out. Thank you. I kept making mistakes and you kept picking me up. Thank you.
I never even thought I'd have the position I'm in, God. I'm, I feel like I'm underqualified for the spot you got me in. I never even made this money, much money. Thank you. God, I'm frustrated <laughs> with the spot that I'm in. But at least I have the strength to keep on standing. Thank you. God, I never thought I'd walk through a tragedy like this. But somehow I made it through. Thank you. God, I've been fearful at times, but you keep giving me faith to put one foot in front of the other. Thank you. My attitude is not, I got this. Because that's what the Pharisee was saying. I keep the law. I know the law. I'm right by the law. But that spirit did not get him to a place of connection with Jesus that he needed. He was in front of the Savior and missed it. This is why we started our time of heaven to earth with prayer and fasting. This is why we've been on this for seven days already. We got another seven days coming. Because we're saying... What needs to happen in all of our single lives, all of us as teenagers, all of us online, all of us in the room, what needs to happen in all of our marriages is it has to be a work of the spirit, not a work of the flesh. This has to be surgery that is done underneath, not something that's just done on the external. So when we're talking about hearing from God, we're talking about opening our heart to God. When we're talking about helping to make it on earth as it is in heaven, all of that, friends, starts on our knees. I ask you, who do you want to be in this story? Do you want to be the woman or do you want to be the Pharisee? I believe you want to be the woman. So let's take these steps and allow the grace of God to change us from the inside out. Because if I'm honest, church family, I feel like too many times I've been like the Pharisee. And I don't want to be like that anymore. Maybe you felt that too. I'm asking you to bow your heads and we're going to repent before God. Asking him to forgive us and to cleanse us. Lord, in this moment, we repent for our pharisaical tendencies, for the times that we've made it more about us than about you, for the moments we did not remember that we're living and we're breathing and we're existing by your grace. Would you help our hearts? be captured by your love? Would you convict us where we need it? Would you encourage us where we need it? Would you change us from the inside out?